Um, so we'll be in Joshua chapter 1, just picking up where we left off last week, talking about courage, talking about being strong and courageous tonight. Um, you may not know the name Judith Viorst. I think I'm saying that right, Judith Viorst. But you probably, if you're a parent, you know the book, Alexander and the Terrible, No Good, Very Bad, Horrible, I don't know. There's, uh, you, know you know what I'm talking about. Great book. One of my favorite books, either adult or children books right there. Well, she wrote another book um, called Forever 50 and Other Negotiations. And she had kind of a, a funny take on risk-taking as a woman. And uh, here's part of what she wrote. She said, I went for a walk in the sun without wearing my sunscreen. I went out to town. I went out of town without making a reservation. I placed my mouth directly upon a public drinking fountain and took a sip. I didn't bother flossing my teeth before bedtime. I pumped my own gasoline at a self-service station. I ate the deviled egg instead of the cauliflower with low-fat yogurt dip. I bought, without reading Consumer Reports, a new dryer. I left my checking account unreconciled. I know that the consequences could be dire, but she says sometimes a woman simply has to run wild. Well, there are moments uh, for each of us that require real courage, not like that. Um, Moments that really do test our mettle. And tonight in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to find one of those moments uh, in Joshua. Uh, The people of God, uh, they are camped out along this side of the Jordan River. They can see the promised land on the other side and they can see all of the obstacles and challenge and literal enemy nations staring at them from across that river. And God shares these words that we just sung to Joshua in chapter 1, starting in verse 6. God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then again, you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua, he passes the courage along. He ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, 72 hours, we will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord is giving, uh, your God is giving you for your own. I love this passage. Um, God comes to Joshua and God asks him uh, with this great adventure ahead, monumental series of tasks ahead, God says, be strong be courageous. And just to clarify tonight, 
Being strong and being courageous are not the same thing. They are two separate things, but equally important. And Joshua, God knows, Joshua will need both, right? Um, strength. The Hebrew word is kazak. And I did wonder as I was working this week, week if, the, if the nation Kazakhstan uh, derives itself somehow from this word kazak in Hebrew in a Semitic language. But kazak, strength, it has to do with capacity. It has to do with actually having the resources required, the tools in your toolbox for a specific task. The ability, the power, uh, reservoirs of fuel. Basically, it's having what you need to accomplish something that you've been called to accomplish. Is it possible, rhetorical question here, is it possible to be strong and not be courageous? Yes. Yes. It is very possible to be strong, to have everything that you need to accomplish a task, and to be a coward, <laughs> to not be courageous at all. Uh, Isla and I, well, Isla more than me, but we do both enjoy watching The Amazing Race. Do you guys like that show? It's on right now. Good show. Uh, but we have watched, or my wife has watched, I think, every season because it's all on Amazon. And uh, she's watched every So she was, we were re-watching some old episode, and the teams were in Moscow, Russia, and they went to the Olympic Swimming and Diving Center. And I think there were like eight teams left. And one person from each team was going to have to, to move on to the next uh, obstacle, one person from each team was going to have to climb up to the high dive. There's like a, a, a board that's maybe three meters up and then six meters, and then there was a 10-meter, 30-foot-high uh, diving board, and a member of each team was going to need to go up to this diving board. It was pretty cold, um, and they were wearing Speedos and swimsuits, and, and they were going to have to jump into the pool off the high dive. We're going to have to dive. We're going to have to flip. We're going to have to do anything fancy. Just climb it, jump in the water, move on to the next, next task. And the first four or five uh, teams, uh, the person got up there, didn't even think about it, just jumped. And a couple of them got up there, and boy, those knees started shaking. And they, they did all eventually end up jumping. There was a million dollars on the line for Pete's sake. But, uh, but it was interesting to watch that fear paralyze some of those people. And keep them from doing what they had the strength to do. It's no, anybody could jump off that that high dive. Strength wasn't enough. They needed courage as well. They needed courage. And so strength can exist without courage. Strength involves capacity. You have what you need, the health, the money, the power, uh, the physical stamina to accomplish a task. Uh, that's strength. Courage, though, is a different thing. Courage is attitude. Courage is mindset. Courage involves assessing the situation. And generally, for courage to exist, it must be assessing a daunting or dangerous situation. So it is having a sober assessment of that situation... And as daunting as it is, you choose to act anyway. That's courage. Um, courage is not being unafraid. In fact, if you are unafraid, you don't need courage. 
Courage can only exist where there is fear, right? Does that make sense? You've got to have fear. It's a precondition to require courage. If you aren't afraid, then you don't need courage. FDR said one time, he said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. And I had to throw in an MLK quote because MLK Day is tomorrow. So Martin Luther King Jr. said that courage faces fear and thereby masters it. Cowardice represses fear and is thereby mastered by it. So Joshua was wrestling with fear. How do we know that? Well, two things. First, God told him, have courage. He wouldn't have told him that if he wasn't afraid. And second of all, uh, God said, don't be afraid. <laughs> okay, so we have both of those indicators that he was afraid. Now, you don't need to tell someone not to be afraid unless, of course, they are afraid. So the calls for Joshua and for you and I to be both strong and courageous, to make sure that we are that, that our abilities are lined up, that we have done all the preparation that we can do and have the right mindset. Both of those are required for us for the battles to come, uh, to engage those battles even though they may look a little scary and may in fact actually be a little bit scary. Uh, now what was there about the task that Joshua was being called to that would test his nerve, that would uh, test the nerve of the Israelites around him. What, 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 was, what was it about this that was dangerous, that was daunting? Well, the task ahead, it was huge. It was just big. Um, uh, I mean, Moses didn't even accomplish this task, and we've read about how amazing Moses was last week. Um, he was to lead this army, air quotes, army, uh, a collection of ex-slaves across the Jordan and take over lands that were occupied by enemy nations, this land that had been promised to Abraham many years back. And oh yeah, there were several different nations occupying these lands and these nations had their own armies, had actual weaponry and had, uh, had cities fortified, walled cities. And that was a big deal back then. But Gordon, Joshua, wait a second, Gordon. Joshua wasn't afraid earlier. I know the Bible story. I did the flannel graph when I was in, in Sunday school. And Joshua and Caleb went over on the spy mission and they were not afraid and they were willing to take over the land and they thought God could do it. So why are you saying that Joshua's afraid here? Well, you're right. He wasn't afraid earlier. But now, Joshua this time has not only gotten to see and assess the situation and how strong those foreign nations are and how rabidly those nations will oppose the Israelite advance into their lands, but now Joshua has the benefit of hindsight and he has seen how easily the hearts of this army he is going to lead across the Jordan and how quickly and easily those hearts can melt with fear. He has seen how quickly the Israelites can give up. He's got the benefit, if you will, of that hindsight. 
And these scary people who occupy the land, they are scary in that they are false God-worshipping, child-sacrificing pagans who are committed to doing absolutely anything and everything to protect their lands. In other words, they're not going to be following the Geneva Convention, okay? These are not nice people who the armies of Israel will go up against. And Joshua knew these battles were going to be savage. And he wasn't necessarily, don't know, just hypothetically or based on what he had seen before, wasn't necessarily so sure that his army was going to be up to the task, was going to have the courage required because they hadn't uh, 40 years earlier. So Joshua had battles ahead that looked daunting. He also had reason to be rattled, if you will, by the historical lack of faith uh, by, and resolve of those people who were supposed to follow him into battle. Um, I mean, when, when Israel climbed up on the high dive, would they actually jump? He had to wonder that. And while this historical context, while this scripture story is so far removed from us by centuries and by cultures and languages and armaments and all of this stuff, it seems so contemporary and relevant, I think, because while we're not going to be fighting literal Canaanites, we know that we're going to have adversaries, we're going to have challenges, we're going to have struggles, we know that. And so it's natural to question our strength. Uh, do I have the resources that I need? Do I have the capabilities I need for this task, for this moment, for this trial that I'm walking through? And courage, who hasn't stood on the high dive proverbially and wondered, do I have what it takes? All of us have been there. We've been at that place where we know what we need to do um, but it's easy to freeze. It's easy to just kind of refuse to jump or delay the jump. And here's what I love about the passage and why I think it's so relevant to my life, to your life. Um, it's that God provides Joshua with, I'm going to call these four courage streams or four streams of courage, each one capable of infusing his servant with the strength and courage he will need. Um, and so we're going to talk about these kind of four places that we can go when we're scared, when we're worried, uh, to find the courage that we need. Uh, people nowadays talk about income streams, like you're supposed to have these multiple income streams. Well, how about multiple courage streams? Maybe one isn't enough sometimes. And so God gives Joshua, in the passage we read, four different courage streams. Now the first place that we get courage, or we can, is by going to the promise of God. Um, when I see what the Lord has promised me, it basically gives me a vision of what is to come. It helps me visualize, imagine the world as God is going to, uh, the world that God is going to create as we partner together. So, um, this is the first thing. First courage stream would be God's promise or promises. Uh, God's promises help me visualize the future that he has in store. A couple of places in that passage, um, one of them would be verse 6. God is speaking to Joshua and he, sa and he paints this picture. 
And he's showing Joshua, this is what is going to happen. And I love the strong language here. God says, you will, verse 6, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. That's going to happen. And you are going to be part of making that happen. And I also like the way Joshua, now infused with courage, he takes it and he passes it on to his commanders, to his leaders. He says in verse 11, he says, guys, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan right here. You will go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So God paints a picture, and then Joshua does what a good leader does. He paints a picture uh, for the people around him, for his team. Um, and I like that, those that the way that God paints a picture for us through his promises. Will there be battles? Yes. <laughs> Will it be difficult? God never says, no, this is going to be a cakewalk. He doesn't say that. But these promises that he delivers show, uh, show Joshua what is to come. You're going to lead the people to the land. Of and I love the specificity that Joshua has. You know, 72 hours, this is going to go down. D-Day. Um, so what promises specifically... What promises specifically do you have from God that can help you visualize the future that God has for you? There are too many to get into tonight. Hundreds of promises in the Word of God for His child, for the believer. Um, so that really is your homework for you to go and find out. Uh, you're going to have to open the Word. You're going to have to be in the Word. Uh, this year we're memorizing the Word together. Uh, that's helpful as well. Um, but, but here's what I see in Joshua chapter 1, that God knows our tendency to fear, and that is why His Word is full of reasons not to. He knows we're fearful. And that's why his word is full of reasons we don't need to be fearful. Um, so I'll give you one promise. I can at least give you one promise tonight. This is a big one. It's a promise that since I'm in Christ, when I die, death will not have the final word. Um, when I leave this life, I'm promised an eternity. You are promised an eternity with, with the Lord. That's a promise that we have. And boy, how that shapes my perspective here. How that gives me courage for whatever I face here. Um, it means difficulties and setbacks and tragedies in this life will not have the last word. Cancer doesn't get the last word for believers in Christ. Um, unemployment doesn't get to have the last word. Depression doesn't have the last word for believers in Christ. Financial struggles, struggles with rebellious teenage children... Um, those things don't get to have the last word. God has painted a picture for us. It's called resurrection. Easter is this wonderful picture. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. He tells Martha, my story is going to be your story if you have faith in me. So Jesus gets to have the last word. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He is the first and the last. He gets to have the last word. And one day, his word will be rise. Join me. So that's one of hundreds of promises we have in the Word of God. That one is backed up by an actual 
physical resurrection, which about 2 billion people around the world here in a few months will stop down and celebrate. Um, And when we let his promises paint this picture of the future he has in mind for us, his promises become this kind of visual courage stream for us. They help us see what he's got planned for us. And the, uh, the next one is a good one too. It's God's word. Right there in the middle of the passage, I'm sure you noticed just over and over, God is saying, Joshua, keep looking to my word. Nighttime, look to my word. Daytime, look to my word. Memorize my word. Read my word. Just ingest, absorb my word. So God's word, God's word, what it does for us, it does a lot of things, but one of the things it does, it gives us clarity and confidence when we don't have all the answers. When God has not given you a roadmap of everything that's going to happen tomorrow, here's exactly step by step what you're going to need to do this week. You do get answers from God's word, not to all of that, but you get your marching orders from God. Not necessarily all the details, but you get your marching orders from God. And so this guidance, this instruction, um, we don't always know what's coming next. We don't always have this blow-by-blow detail of what is to come. What we do have are these instructions from God, and we have confidence because we know what he is asking us to do today. His word for today helps us handle tomorrow. So verses 7 and 8. He tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey my law, the law I gave my servant Moses. He gave you, do not turn from it right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the, work, or the, word, uh, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. So speak it, share it with others. Meditate on it, absorb it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I got the details. You just handle these marks. You handle what you know I've told you to do. And we, we, don't, have the, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's coming next, um, next week even, or tomorrow. Um, but we have access to the Word of God. What an amazing thing that is to just be able to open up the Word of God and read His direction, His orientation, and, and let His Word kind of be our true north. And I love this. This is my favorite one, John Scott. The next, the third courage stream would be God's presence. God's presence refreshes me because no matter the situation, he is with me. And that is exactly what he tells Joshua. No matter what, I will be with you. He says in verse 9, the last part there, he says, Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, that would be me, he says, I will be with you. Now this is important. I will be with you wherever you go wherever you go if the lord was telling joshua uh, that he doesn't need to be terrified joshua you don't need to be terrified then we can naturally assume there would be some things that might cause a person to be a little bit scared if if part of um, the pregame instruction here is don't be terrified. There were going to be some things that would naturally cause someone to be scared. If the Lord had to tell him, you know, don't be discouraged, then we can be sure that there were going to be some things happening that would make people discouraged. So he's telling, don't be discouraged. Don't fall into that. Um, now, this isn't just God wagging his finger in Joshua's face and saying, don't, 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 don't do this, don't do that. Um, It's not just an order. We saw this. It's coupled with the reason 
that Joshua doesn't need to be terrified and doesn't need to be discouraged. And the reason God gives him is a pretty good one. I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. Now think about that. Wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, God is with you. Lo, I'm with you till the very end of the age, Jesus tells us. It means he's with me in the waiting room for the OR at the hospital when a loved one is in surgery. He's with the loved one in the OR. He is He's with me when I feel heartbroken, when I feel alone, when my plans have fallen to the ground. He's with me. When I feel elated, when I'm celebrating, He is with me. Wherever you go, He is with you. That's what God tells His child. And I like that word, wherever. What a powerful current of courage we have in that courage stream. And then there is, the final one here, is God's command. We do have commands here. We do have marching orders here. Um, what command? Um, God's command to be courageous. He commands him to be courageous. Um, his command to be courageous reminds me that it is possible for me to remain strong, to remain courageous. He says in verse 9, he, God asks him a question. He says, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous? Have I not ordered you to do that? So we are commanded, I believe, not just Joshua, we are commanded in Christ to be strong and to be courageous. It's an order from our master. Now, Gordon, that doesn't sound like a courage stream to me. That sounds a little bit menacing. God is ordering me to be courageous? That's like your kid learning to dive and he's giving you a little shove. Like you give your child, I'll show you how to dive. You know, you're going to jump. But not if you consider this. God would never command you to do something that you can't do. The fact that he asks you to be strong and to be courageous means that he knows you have it in you. Make sense? He knows you've got what you need. He knows that we have it in us, not only the strength to climb up the stairs to the high dive, but he knows you have it in you to actually jump, to engage your situation, to face your situation. He knows that you have it in you, that, that he has provided everything you need to trust him in your situation. Everything you have, er, you have everything that you need to make it another day without quitting, without being discouraged, without being overcome by terror. You can be strong and courageous. I know that because he's asked you to be strong and courageous. And one final word. As I was thinking about this this week and thinking about this passage, it just, the question, you may have already thought of this. So why aren't we strong and courageous? We want to be. And we know that there are good things on the other side. of it. So why aren't we strong and courageous? Why don't we take God at his word? Why don't we follow his word? Why don't we jump when he tells us to jump? Why don't we, cross, why don't we have trouble crossing the Jordan River into the promised land, facing our enemies? Well, there may be 
a more complicated answer. I think this is the simple answer, and it seems true to me. I believe that comfort is the greatest obstacle to obedience. Comfort is the greatest obstacle to obedience. There is a great temptation to stick with what I've already got going, what I already know, the rut that I've already been digging. There is a great draw to stay with the peace that I have in the status quo. And it may not even be a great status quo, but hey, I know what's here. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay here. And that is why I believe that many opt out of crossing their Jordan and discovering firsthand what God has in store for them. Comfort is the greatest enemy of obedience. It already caused the nation of Israel to delay their conquest by 40 years. It caused Joshua and Caleb, the two people who had courage, to suffer alongside the people during these four decades. So let's make a decision. Let's make a decision. Once again tonight, a decision that we've made before, let's make it again. To trust God that he's providing everything that we need to honor him. He's providing whatever we need to make faith-based decisions instead of the same old fear-based decisions. And let's decide that we're going to jump into the scary unknown when God asks us to do that. Let's be strong and courageous. John Scott, let's be standing.